mind that the Lord of all the earth would care to know my name, would care to feel my hurt. Who am I? Welcome to Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. We're glad you could join us as we teach through the Bible, chapter by chapter, verse by verse. Today's lesson is one in which we know you'll be enlightened to the truth of the gospel of Jesus Christ. Let's listen in to Pastor Greg as we launch today's lesson on Who Am I? Turn in your Bibles with me to John chapter 4. We are going to be beginning this morning in verse 43 want to remind you, help you remember with me that we have been studying this Samaritan woman. A um, couple things I didn't point out in passing that as I look back and I begin to get my notes together, God reminds me of. And, and some people go, that's the only reason you do an introduction so you can teach the text you already taught again. I'm like, yep, that's exactly right. And it brings us all into the same frame, in the same place if they have missed church the previous week or the previous message. Listen, a couple things. Jesus said, I must needs go through Samaria, a place where no other Jew or no other teacher would go. They would go around Samaria and make their trip longer just not to touch the unclean ground of the Samaritans. And we come upon this woman who in the heat of the day is going out to draw water. And she's trying to avoid the rest of the people because of her shame, because she's been married five times. And yes, she's on her what? Her sixth relationship. And six is the number of man. So we always remember that. That's where Jesus comes. He comes while we're at six. And 666 is us without God. 66 books. We're number six, that's 666, it's the number of man. And then when we meet Jesus and we drink of the living water, now we become seven, we can become completed. Positionally, it's finished. Well, as soon as you believe, it's finished. But practically, we have a walk of faith. We're running a race. We're going out to be witnesses, if you will, to the saving grace of God. He doesn't just whisk us right home. He doesn't just take us straight home. Now, there are deathbed conversions where people have no peace and they have, they have no time to get up and show you their hearts have changed. Although you see the man on the cross who railed on Jesus and then his heart changed and he even spoke to the other one who was still railing on Jesus. So you see a heart change by what people talk about. You're going to see that with the Samaritan woman. What happened? He told her, I am he. I am the Messiah. And then she goes her way. Listen to me. This is the walk of faith. You're going to see it with the nobleman today. He goes his way. You've seen it with Nicodemus. They go their way. Well, what is their way? If you meet Jesus, your way changes, but you still have free will to choose whether to become a witness, whether to walk in your gifting. You still have free will to choose whether to every day choose to follow him. Luke 9, 23, deny self, take up your cross daily and follow after him. That's a daily walk. 
Paul said, I die daily. I get up every morning and choose whether I'm going to die or not. Am I going to live for self, for sin, or for Satan, or am I going to live for God? It's a daily walk. It's a constancy of faith is what the Bible teaches us when we walk by faith. We believe, that's the word pistio, and then pistis is a constancy in that faith. It's not a one-time believing. It's a continuing to believe for the rest of the race. It's a continuing to believe that he wants you to choose him daily and go your way, but his way becomes your way because he is the way, the truth, and the life. So I didn't point out that she was on her sixth relationship. All of us are born in our number six. So it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether you're Nicodemus and you're a, teaching, a teacher in the Jewish nation. It doesn't matter whether you're a Samaritan woman who is the greatest sinner. We all must needs come to Jesus. And now we're going to see a nobleman today who's a Gentile ruler, and he has to come to Jesus too. Nobody, nobody gets out of this world alive unless you come to Jesus, you're going to die. Uh, The other thing is, is I wanted to point out, and I think it's very important because of today's world. Now listen, it's very important to speak truth and to call sin what it is. Somebody didn't make a mistake. Somebody isn't sick. Somebody didn't uh, stumble. Sin is sin. It should be called sin. But I want to point out that Jesus doesn't focus on her sin. Jesus speaks about her five husbands, and now you're living with someone, but he's not going, you're a sinner, you're a sinner, you're a sinner. Your sin is going to sin. He didn't do that. He's focused on her soul. Listen to me. We're all born with a sin nature. That's why our soul is going to get cast into hell. We're condemned already. But Jesus knows he's going to pay for her sin. He knows he's going to the cross. He wants to lead her to himself. He wants her to drink of living water, not just deal with one sin. It's the whole nature that has to be dealt with. That's why I'm always against programs. I'm always against stuff like 12-step programs and, and what we make up in the church to get people to get involved. It has to be a daily walk with Jesus where you're drinking from the well of living water and you know that you've been given a new nature. You're now a new creation. Old things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Jesus came to win souls. The ministry of reconciliation of souls. All of us are sinners. All of us carry this body of sin around with us. And when you focus on your sin, you fall for the devil's trap. See, sin has been paid for completely. And if you get focused on the sin, you'll feel shame. You'll feel guilt. You'll feel like, I can't get into the race. But if you focus on Jesus, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith, then you can stay in the race because it's already been paid for. It doesn't mean that we don't sin. It doesn't mean we don't deal with sin. It doesn't mean that we don't confess it. It doesn't mean that we have a license to go sin. We still deal with it because of the love of God that compels us. But we don't want to fall for the devil's trick to focus only on the sin when it's the whole nature that needs to be washed and cleansed. It's the whole nature that we need to be led by the Spirit of God, for these are the children of God. And we begin to walk in that. Yes, he pointed out her sin. Yes, he talked about it. When he said something about her five husbands and living with a man, she felt like he knew everything she'd ever did. Did you see him say everything she ever did? No, he didn't need to. He spoke to her soul and she came to salvation 
And when he told her to go her way, what way did she go? She went and told everybody else. She became a witness, the same thing that Jesus was, testifying of the kingdom of God. He's a witness of who the Father is. He brings God's love down to earth. He became flesh and dwelt among us. And then the same thing happens with us. What the men came and they said, that's how it closed out. The men came and said, well, we believe because of what you said, but now we believe because of what he said. See, so the continuing walk of faith is the word of God, hearing his voice, not hearing his witness, not hearing an echo of somebody else talking about it, but coming into a personal, intimate love relationship with God. That's what we need. Whether you're the, the, whether you're the Nicodemus and you're already teaching the word, whether you're a Samaritan and you're, you're the dregs of society, which a Samaritan was a half Jew, half Assyrian, or whether you're a Gentile, which is next, a ruler... A nobleman doesn't matter, rich or poor. We all got to come to Jesus. But you know what the great thing is, is he must needs come to us first. He came to us. We couldn't come to him unless he came and woke us up. So you can go your way, but when you meet Jesus, your way will never be the same. Because you want to traverse, you want to walk his walk. You want to allow his spirit to live through you. Notice he spent a couple days with them, closing out that. Uh, and they concluded that he was the Savior of the world. Have you concluded that? If he's the Savior of the world, if he's the Messiah, if he is the, the anointed of God who come to take away the sins of the world, the Lamb of God, and, and he is God himself, then can't you trust him for a daily walk? Shouldn't you come to him daily? Oh, I'm getting ready to start a new career, so I'm going to take all this money and I'm going to invest it in training for this or that or the other thing. I'm going to invest it in college. I'm going to become a doctor and I'm going to spend all this time every day inside these same books so that I can become a doctor and I can have a career and I can make money and I can look special and important and, and, and be informed and help people's lives. Wait a minute. What about your soul? Wouldn't it be important to be that interested in your soul, your daily walk, a daily washing, a daily coming to the Lord? Because you're going to spend eternity someplace? Is it really is it really more important to study the college books and the teachings of this world than it is to find out what God has done for us and what he's doing, what he wants to do, what gifts he's given you, what talents See, listen, when you see the lives in the Bible meet Jesus, when they go their way, they follow him. They become witnesses. They become transformed by the renewing of the mind so that they can prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God to others because we're in this grand courtroom where we need to be giving testimony of that life. It's a walk of faith. In fact, before we even start, while we're doing it, let's just go ahead and introduce uh, chapter 11, the hall of faith. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 11. And look what faith means. Listen. Our entire walk is a walk of faith. It's not something that we see. If you've seen it, then it wouldn't be by faith. Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. 
Well, well, what what are you talking about? Well, look what he says here. It's one, two, for by it, the elders obtained a good testimony. Listen, how are you going to obtain a good testimony? How are you going to obtain a good testimony? By faith, not by sight. It's not what you see. Listen, I, I was in Walmart last night uh, in Crawfordville. Never go down there. And it was amazing. I, I, I'm like, this is insane, Lord. No sooner walk in the door and there's somebody I know. And then I go around the corner and a guy comes around. And I go, hey, I forget your name. And he goes, I remember your name. And he goes, I remember your testimony. And so it's important. I'm not pointing at me. I'm saying it, when somebody sees you, do they remember your career? Do they remember how much money you got? Or do they remember your testimony, what you talked to them about the last time? I used to have guys who would hide from me because they know that I'm going to talk about Jesus. I am not pointing at me. I'm talking about what the Spirit of God wants to do in your life and my life and every life that goes its own way after meeting Jesus, after drinking of a well of living water and the Holy Spirit in us who's here to testify of Jesus. He's here only to convict of sin and righteousness and judgment. The only reason you and I are still here is to grow in that love relationship, to be prepared for the bride, and to tell others. And if you have to, use some words. Because our actions should be showing that we serve a living God. And then, when they see it, you can tell them who He is. Now, I'm I'm not being... Some people go, well, wait a minute, Greg. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So your actions... Listen... It's, it's sounding brass if your actions don't follow it. And in fact, in Acts chapter 1, when Luke gives the testimony of Jesus, he says all that Jesus began to do and to teach. Not to teach and then do, if he feels like it, but it was to do. He was doing it first. It gave him a platform. Listen, when a guy walks up and he turns over all the tables in the temple right in front of the ruling authorities, he's doing something. And he's doing it with authority. And that goes, wow, what, who is that guy? I want to hear what he's got to say. Because he just went in there and turned over everything they were doing in their religious system. Where does he get that authority? I want to know who he is. Listen, so he began to do it and then to teach. It gave him an audience. So when we're not being a witness, when we're not doing anything different than everybody else, then why would somebody want to hear us? You're doing the same thing I'm doing. The only other way that that happens is exactly what Jesus opens with is that he has no honor among his own people. No honor in Nazareth because he was too familiar. And that's the way the church is today. We become familiar with Jesus. Everybody born in America is born again. We become complacent with God. Everybody goes to church. There's a church on every corner. And then we hold him in contempt. Well, you didn't do what I wanted you to do, Jesus. No, because we're supposed to be dead and doing what he's called us to do, not a genie in a bottle. So we become familiar and we give him no honor, just like his own people. Isn't that, isn't that Mary's son? That's that boy I chased out of my yard when we were younger. See, familiarity breeds contempt. He can't be the Messiah. He's been here for 30 years. He got nothing to say to us. We ra- help raise that boy. Remember when he was lost at the temple when he was 12? We would turn back and went and got him. I'm, 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 I'm paraphrasing. I'm, I'm, I'm adding to. But listen, 
What happens when you grow up in a church? What happens when you grow up in a world that's always talking about Jesus? What happens when you grow up in a system that always says all you have to do is say a prayer? You don't have to do anything else. You become complacent. You say, I said a prayer. I don't have to be washed in the blood of Jesus. All I have to do is go to church. I don't have to obey God's word. All I have to do is go to church. I don't even have to do that. If I want to sort my socks, I'll just stay home and sort them. Not by works anyway. Really? Really? Who said that? Saved by grace through faith, and that not of ourselves. It is a gift of God, not of works, lest any man should boast. Paul said that, didn't he? Ephesians 2, 8, 9. But he said, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works. You can't work to be saved, but if you're saved and you go your way, you're going to do the work of God, which is being a witness. And workmanship is the word poema. It's a work in progress. We're being, as we're being sanctified and cleansed, we're going out with the ministry of reconciliation to be evidence, to be a witness, to give testimony that what he's doing in our life can also be done in their life. So when you go your way, you don't go back. Oh, let's go. We had church. Let's go back to the world. Let's go back and live like hell, like heathens, for six days until we come back to church again. See, that's the familiarity with God. Got to go back and live the American dream. What do you want? I got to pay my bills. Bondage. That's bondage. God will pay your bills. If you do the natural, he'll do the supernatural. Man doesn't work. He doesn't eat. Unless the government gives it to you and somebody else becomes your God. Very important. we got to wake up. So how did the elders obtain a good testimony? It was by faith. By trusting God. We're still in our introduction in Hebrews 11, 1 and 2. Now here's 3. By faith. <laughs> I'm going to do a sermon someday. I know you guys are going like, this guy's crazy. I'm going to do a sermon someday about the word by. It actually means that's what the channel through. That's the channel through. How, what's Philippians 4.19? And my God will supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. It's a good word because it's the channel through when you begin to worship. There's a whole sermon just by the, what's the channel? Well, it's Jesus, the Christ. Being in the vine, abiding, and you can bear much fruit. But apart from him, you could do nothing, absolutely nothing. We can do this on our own. i got a program. i got a plan. What By faith, we understand. We know, if you're a Christian, that's understand, gnosko. We know that the worlds were framed by what? The Word of God. The voice of God. Isn't that what you have when you have the word of God? God sent his word and healed the land. Psalms 107. So that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. And if you went back to Genesis, you looked at the Hebrew, you would see bara ex nilio. God created out of nothing. He spoke out of nothing. That's faith. You can trust God. If he can speak, if he can speak out of nothing and bam, the worlds were formed. Can he speak into our lives and do anything? Does he have power to speak into your life? 
Or are you saying, talk to the hand. I'm busy right now. I'm living the American dream. Talk to the hand. Listen, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. Jesus didn't talk of the Samaritan woman's sin, but he was concerned about her soul. And she was living in complacency, in contempt if she doesn't hear and go her way and it's his way. If she stays in her sin, we're going to see in John chapter 8. He says to her, go and sin no more. He doesn't say to her, I ain't worried about your sin. See, if you have a heart that says, I don't care if I sin, that's not following Jesus' way. He came and positionally kept every bit of the law for us so that we could be set free from the penalty of the law, which was death. The wages of sin is death. And now practically, he wants us to walk it out and learn to desire to do that, learn to want to do that in his house, to do his work for his glory for such a time as this with a heart that says, Lord, I've sinned, forgive me. And he's faithful and just to forgive you. But then what does he do? He washes and cleanses you from all unrighteousness, all inequity, all sin. So it's not I'm going to live in sin and wallow in sin because I said a prayer one time which we can all stumble in and be at and can do. Believe me, if you're a young Christian, you'll be freaked out when you first do it and go, oh, I still enjoy this because sin is enjoyable for a season. But nevertheless, it brings forth death if you just lay around in it and say, I'm okay because I said a prayer once. It still brings forth death. The soul that sins will die. Jesus came to save the souls so that we would have a heart to move forward out of this sin. Oh, but Greg, you can't lose your salvation. Ooh, really? I think you should read your Bible. That's some new 20th century idea. It's not biblical. Every one of the children of Israel in the wilderness died in the wilderness except for Caleb and Joshua because they would not believe and follow into the promised land. Every one of them. That's enough biblical consistency to look what, how God has always dealt, and he never changes. Oh, you think he dealt with his own firstborn different than he's going to deal with you? He deals with all of us the same way. He's the same God. The, the Nicodemus, the Samaritan woman. Now we're going to see the nobleman. He deals with every single one of them the exact same way, and it's unchanging. And the wages of sin is death. Yet he comes looking for us the same way he came looking for Adam and Eve. Do you think God was blind? I wonder where Adam and Eve's at. The only two people I ever created here. I don't know where they're at. Where are you? He knew exactly where they're at. He knew they were hiding behind the, the trees and the bushes and hiding from him in fear because they had sinned. And the devil knows that. So that's what he wants to beguile us into doing so that we'll hide instead of getting out and being the workmanship, getting out and being witnesses. Jesus took that positional for us to give us practical so that we know when we sin, oh, there I go again, I'm going to die. No, that's over with. No more debts for your sin. Now it's a learning. Now it's a washing. Now it's a cleansing. Now it's time to keep moving forward, not backward. Stay in the race. Confess it. It doesn't change God. He's unchanging. It changes you when you confess it. When you realize that you've sinned against the heart of God. So by faith, when he spoke, listen, nothing has changed. It's always about what God said. Satan said, did God really say? 
it's always been about what God said. There's nothing different. The word is living. It's Jesus. I am the, 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 he's the word of life. How do you get washed and cleansed? John 17, 17. We'll get there pretty soon. Sanctify them with truth. Your word is truth. So how do you get set apart? How do you get washed and cleansed? It's all about the word of God. Why? Because it's all about what did God say? Look at 2 Kings chapter 18. We looked at this on Friday night. We were looking at it again. It's something that's very important because the Old Testament is our examples. In chapter 18, verse 12, it tells you exactly why the northern tribes went into captivity after God long suffered with them for so many years because they did not obey the voice of the Lord, their God. They did not keep the covenant. It's always been about this. It's not something new. We call it new, but it really means fresh. Jesus come and made it a new and living way. It's fresh, a fresh living way that we can be led by the Spirit and we can learn to obey God. We can learn to walk in the Spirit and not fulfill the lust of the flesh. Or we can believe in the apostasy and the false teaching of the church that we or what we call the church today if you just go to the altar and say a prayer you're finished you're done you get in listen if you go to an altar and you say a prayer that's why i don't do altar calls and you say a prayer and you really believe and god says go your way and sin no more and you go your way and it's his way you're really saved and there's going to be evidence of that but if you go your way and you keep going back to the world and living the way you were living, that's not going to be a good testimony. That's not going to end well. James says when it's full blown, it's sin and it brings forth death. If you keep going your way and think you're okay because you said some prayer that had nothing to do with your heart. But only to do with some religious program where somebody told you if you do this. That's not what the Bible says. By faith... Wait a minute, did we do that? Yeah, uh, verse 4. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous. Martyreo. That's the word we're going to see today. Martyreo. It's what Jesus is doing, is testifying. It's what we're called to do, is to go out and be testimony. And see, the Hall of Faith chapter tells us that we're supposed to be walking by faith and being a witness. Why? Because the Old Testament saints were witnesses. That's how we heard. That's how everybody hears, by the voice. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. Well, how do we hear it? Somebody shares it with us. Somebody shares truth and it pierces our consciousness and we change. Well, I don't care to be a witness. All the other saints were. Everybody that got saved and believed in Jesus and went their way, they went their way to be a witness of the transforming power of God that was living inside them. Whether it was Old Testament or New Testament, that's what happened. There's evidence of salvation. There's evidence of new life. It's not hanging on to old sin. So by faith, Abel offered, he offered a sacrifice. To who? To God. And it was more excellent of a sacrifice than Cain. Cain was a murderer from the beginning. You know what Cain means? A fabricator. Cain literally means a smith, like a blacksmith that just makes up its own little thing of what I'm going to do. That's what Cain did. We've talked about this before. He just brought some stuff. He said, I made this up. Here, God, have this. Ain't I creative? 
He's like, no, you've got to obey my voice. You've got to do it my way. You can't just make up what you want and think it's okay to go to heaven. And that's what religion is. That's what our religiosity is. That's what all these things are that we think we're doing that it's okay with God that doesn't line up with the Word of God. And we all stand convicted. We all stand rebuked. There's nobody that's innocent of this. We need to be exposing this. We need to get right with this and learn to walk by faith. That's what, that's what holds us with the Word of Faith movement, the signs and wonders movement. That's what holds them. They think that it's, if I see some signs and wonders, I'll be able to live for God. But it's not signs and wonders. You're going to see here in a minute with the nobleman, it's the Word of God. Jesus rebukes him. It's the Word of God. It's truth that sanctifies and cleanses. It's truth that saves. It's, it's the Word of God that was sent to heal the land, not signs and wonders. Because you can see signs and wonders in a life of faith. You can't see it. You can only see the afterglow. You can see the glory of God come in that life because there's evidence and witness and testimony that he's changed. They've changed. She's different. It's an afterglow. It comes after. In fact, that's what Mark, Mark, Matthew, Mark, that's in the New Testament, right? Luke, Mark 16. He's teaching a topical. I don't teach topicals. Stop it. Mark 16. Um, 16. He who believes, pistio, that means to entrust your spiritual well-being into Christ, and is baptized, that's what's going to, first step of faith, is you'll be baptized, watery grave, will be saved, soteria, which means delivered to safety. But he who does not believe, he does not uh, trust in God for their salvation, is condemned already. Same as John 3, 17. But listen to verse 17 of Mark. You guys are like, he's done, went to another book. Mark 16, 17. And these signs will follow those who believe. Listen, signs follow belief, but they don't, they don't produce belief. Signs and wonders and miracles don't produce saving faith. We're going to see this when we get uh, uh, to Jesus feeding the 5,000, the 4,000. We're going to see that they're looking at this and they're wanting their bellies full. And they're, and they're looking for more signs. That's all it creates. Let's do some more signs. Let's do some more stuff. The Word of God is the only thing that, that produces saving faith. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. So, uh, again, uh, 11.4, By faith Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness. How are you going to obtain witness? Offering your body a living sacrifice. Not doing it the way of the church today that's apostate. You have to offer yourself a living sacrifice to obtain witness that he was righteous. When we, when we, that's the only way it's going to come out when the Spirit of God does it, when you surrender and stop chasing the American dream and you begin to go God's way when you go your way because they're married as one. There's the proof and the evidence. When both are married as one, you're both in the same way together. That's what the word follow means, by the way, in the Greek, to be in the same way with. Well, how does it look when you see a, a, a married couple and they vacation separately, they have bank accounts separately, 
they, they, they go different places. They're not together. It doesn't look like they're married. They probably don't fight either because they're not trying to become one. So there's no fighting. The only fighting comes when you and God are trying to become one and you wrestle with God as Jacob did. But a marriage that, that's doing everything separated and apart, they're not going to argue at all because they're both enjoying their own lives instead of becoming one. But when you try to become one, there's going to be battles. There's going to be arguments. There's going to be differences. And how do you reconcile it? You look up. And whatever God says, well, how's that reconciled, God? Well, the husband is the head. And even if that nincompoop makes a bunch of stupid decisions, you've got to let him be the head. Because then God will straighten him up. Man, I've been making some stupid decisions. What do I do, Lord? You can't fix him, ladies. Only God can fix him. You can't become the Holy Spirit. You can't become his mommy. Turn him over to God. Get out of the way. If you get out of the way, the Holy Spirit can get to him. If you don't get out of the way, you're going to have nothing but fights and it'll end in divorce. And the same thing happens with the spiritual relationship. If you don't become a living sacrifice and get out of the way and you argue with God, you'll think you're okay and you will end up dead. Divorced from God. The same way the nation of Israel did. Divorced. Is that simple? God's analogy, not mine. God uses the analogy of marriage. And he hates divorce. He's not willing that any would perish, but all would come to repentance. What is repentance? Change your mind. Follow your husband. Follow your head. Follow your covering. Follow the one who died for you. Don't follow your own self-will. Because you will die. So by faith, we don't have to see it. We just follow truth, the word of God. Well, who is testifying? Do you see that in 4B? God testifying. Who testified? Abel wasn't running around going, look at me, I'm righteous. God martyreoed about it. That's him giving a witness. God was the one that produced the evidence in the surrendered life that did it his way. Let me see if I can find some definition on that. We're still in our introduction. You guys need to calm down. Calm down. His gift. Now listen, because lest you turn this around and make you think that the gift was um, your talent, your abilities, something you're giving to God. It, it's the sacrifice still. That's what he's talking about. God was testifying, martyrium, giving witness of his gift. And through it, being dead, he still speaks. Well, How does he speak? Through the word of God. He's still speaking to us right now. He's still giving testimony. And he was the first martyr of the church. Oh, you don't think it's the church? The congregation in the wilderness. Everybody, it's always been the church. God's calling the people out. Abel was obeying, so he becomes the church, just like Abraham. He believed God, and it was accounted to him for righteousness. It's always been this way. It's never changed. But God, in his long suffering, give him the law so he wouldn't have to kill him. We've talked about this a bunch of times. The Bible has never changed. God has never changed. He never will. If someone has said, if it's new, it's not from God. And if it's from God, it's not new. 
He's the unchanging one. He's outside of time. Faith hasn't changed. Neither has grace. So he still speaks even though he is no longer with us. And then verse 5, 11, 5 of Hebrews. By faith Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death. Really, if he had been left here, would he have seen death? We're all born dead. And was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this martyreo, this testimony that he pleased God. And this is the verse I really wanted to get you to. You want to be pleasing to God? 11.6, but without faith, it's impossible to please God, for you first must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Rewarder, he pays wages. At the end of our life, there's going to be wages. Were we diligently seeking God? Were we living by faith? Or did we just say a prayer and we follow man's programs and plans? Did we hear the voice of God and follow God and walk it out? Or did we just hear man's programs, man's plans? Those that are following the murderer Cain and they're, and they're smiths and they're fabricating new religions. Or are we still following God? Are you seeking diligently to hear his voice, to hear his word, to learn what he says? Or are we following what the devil wants us to follow, the spirit of Antichrist, who says, did God really say? Listen, this is important. It's your soul. We're not talking about a test next week at some class. We're talking about eternity. It's appointed for man to die once, and then comes the judgment. Diligently seek him. That means to search out, to investigate, to crave. In the Hebraism, in Hebrew, it means to worship him. That means like a dog, proskuneo, licking the hand of the master, knowing where your help comes from. And yet the church goes on following the next bestseller, the next book, the next, the next song. The church continues on listening to man and some craft that the devil has put up instead of spending time reading the word of God, hearing the voice of God, and obeying God no matter what man says. When you go your way today, whose way will you be going in? Oh, it's more comfortable just to keep doing what I've always done. It's not a life of faith. Oh, I'm okay. I said a prayer once. It's not a life of faith. Obeying the voice of God is a life of faith. Well, I don't have any power. You're exactly right. So you have to surrender. Allow the Holy Spirit to train you, to teach you, to wash you, to cleanse you, to, to send you. Jesus does not focus on your sin because he paid for your sin. Listen to me. But if your sin has been paid for, that payment has been accepted, when you go your way, you'll go by faith, and you will be looking unto him who is the author and the finisher of your faith. Jesus Christ. You will be laying aside the sin and the weight that so easily ensnares you. That's chapter 12 of Hebrews, if you want to read that later. And run this race looking unto Jesus. 
And then he goes on into even how we're educated, how we're trained. Let's look back at our text because I want to show you now this in real time. Everything that I just told you is in real time with the nobleman's son. As we go into Cana of Galilee, as we enter into our text this morning and we close this out, let's read. It is John uh, 4.43. Now, after two days, he departed from there and went to Galilee. For Jesus himself testified that a prophet has no honor in his own country. So when he came to Galilee, the Galileans received him, having seen all the things he did in Jerusalem at the feast, for they also had gone to the feast. So Jesus came again to Cana of Galilee, where he had made the water wine. And there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at Capernaum. When he heard that Jesus had come out of Judea into Galilee, he went to him and implored him to come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. Then Jesus said to him, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. The nobleman said to him, sir, come down before my child dies. Jesus said to him, go your way, your son lives. So the man believed the word that Jesus spoke to him, and he went his way. And as he was now going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, Your son lives. Then he inquired of them the hour when he got better. And they said to him, Yesterday at the seventh hour, the fever left him. So the father knew that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said to him, Your son lives. And he himself believed and his whole household. This again is the second sign Jesus did when he came out of Judea into Galilee. Let's pray. Father, We desire to have saving faith that grows. We desire to hear your voice. Pour your spirit out upon us. Help us to understand your word and go and be witnesses for your glory for such a time as this. In Jesus' name, amen. 4.43, now after two days, I love it. Listen, listen. Jesus had time. Oh my goodness. You know how many times I have no time for people? Because we're so busy. We're so in bondage to time. Here's Jesus. Think about this for a minute. He's doing the will of the Father. He's on the way to Jerusalem. I'm going to die for the sins of the world. Would you get out of my way? I don't have time to spend two days with you. I have a mission to go on for God. I am going to die for the sins of the world. Think about it, how important, how much pomp we have, how we think that our time is so important. And they ask Jesus a question, and he stays two whole days at their house because he's concerned with their souls. He wants their souls to get it, not just their head. He wants them to believe because of the word that he speaks. Remember that? That's what happened. We believe because of you, lady, but now we believe because of what he said. We heard his word. We heard his voice. We see that he's the savior of the world. Verse 42, because they heard it. Have you heard it? Have you heard his voice? Does he know you? Are you following him? Isn't that the most important thing? Listen to me. Matthew 7. Lord, Lord, open to us. We cast out demons in your name. Be away from me. I never knew you. What do you mean? Well, you were practicing lawlessness and wickedness. You weren't practicing righteousness. 
You weren't practicing the Word of God. You were practicing what you wanted to do. You were practicing the religions of the world. You were practicing your own thing. I don't care how many demons you think you cast out. I don't care how much you think you did. He says, I never knew you. See, what's the, what's the, it's upside down in the church today. You know Jesus? Yeah. Said a prayer at an altar. I know Jesus. What's the important question at, at the judgment seat? Does he know you? He's going to say, I never knew you, and it was because of what you were still doing, what you were still practicing, lawlessness and wickedness. You weren't obeying the voice of God, and you had no heart to obey the voice of God because it's so much easier to live in sin. It's so much easier to live in the flesh. It's so much easier just to bounce around and dress up and say, here I am, I'm saved. I said a prayer, but doing the work is hard. Abiding in Christ is hard. Saying no to self is hard. The walk of faith is hard because it's a substance of things hoped for, the evidence of not, things not seen. Remember, we started, the priest had to step out on the water. Well, that was before we started recording. Remember crossing the Jordan, the stones of remembrance? Think about that for a long, hard point. It's the flood season. The waters are overflow the banks. It's not just like they're wading in a little bitty creek. They had to step out in torrential waters that were floods like we do when we go back out of here. And by faith, tell people about Jesus, that he parts the waters, that he's our salvation, that he's the one that came to save. Oh, my goodness, he's preaching now. So he stayed with them for two days in a place where no other Jew would even go because they would be afraid of their reputation as a teacher. But he didn't get his witness from them, from man. He got his witness from the Father and the Holy Spirit. He came to save those who were lost, and they're lost. We're lost. And if you get your reputation from man because you have PhD, you got permanent head damage. You need to get your reputation from the Holy Spirit, from the Word of God, from the truth of God, from the one who came to save. Not from what man calls good. Think about it. They're changing the definition. Evil is good and good is evil. Don't follow that path. You'll end up dead. Twice dead is actually what the Bible says. Born once, you die twice. Born twice, you only die once. Look at Jude. He says, raging. Yeah, never mind. Go back to this. Get me preaching here. 44. So where did he go? He departed. He left. And he goes into Galilee, the region, the district. Some words we have to understand. We're not Jewish. We don't understand them. It's the heathen circuit, the heathen circle. He goes back to them. He goes off on his own. And then it says in 44, For Jesus himself testified that a prophet, that's one who foretells the truth, that's one who gives witness of what God's doing, that has no honor in his own country, um, he's speaking of Nazareth. 
That's his own country. That's where he came from. That's the ones that gave him no honor. They placed no value upon him. The word means reverence or esteem. It actually comes from the word a value. In other words, they didn't even value what he was saying. Do you value the word of God? Do you value the teachings of Christ? Do we value the blood of the cross? Do we value the path that he's led, the way that he's going? We got to put a value on this. Now, is the world more important that I go follow it and put him second? Or is he more important that I value him? him and I put him first in all things see his own do we have this testimony not just his own city Nazareth no no honor among his own people but then we've seen in chapter 1 11 and 12 he came to his own and his own did not receive him but to as many as received him he gave the privilege the power to become children of God even to those who believe in his name his name means his character his nature his will Listen to me, this is very important. Because if we're honoring God, we're going to put some reverence in that. We're going to put a value upon it, and it's your own soul. What would a man give in exchange for his own soul? What will you follow instead of God? Whose voice will you listen to instead of the word of God? Because he's given us all the power to become children of God. It's all there. It's not in him. It's a perfect gift with perfect power. in a perfect place, but not in his own country. We waller in sin. We don't give any honor to his blood that he poured out. Didn't cost us anything. All we did was set a prayer at an altar. Cost God his only son. Cost God everything. His only son. His most prized possession. That's not free to God. Yet he loved to do it. See, I don't want to focus on that. He came for that purpose, to die for us. He came to save souls. His focus is on souls. And our focus in the church seems to be on programs and budgets and buildings and, and business principles and, and how do we look and, and, and seem appealable to the world so we can get some people in the building. Jesus preached so they would leave the building. So if you want to know why I preach the way I preach, I want you to leave the building equipped to go out to the lost. Not looking forward to going back to your sin. Go your way, Jesus said to the Samaritan woman. Go your way, he's going to say to the, to the nobleman. But their way had changed. And they were walking by faith, telling people about him because they truly met him. 45, so when he came to Galilee, the Galileans received him. Now there's two different Galileans, a Galilean district, and then there's, now he's coming over to uh, another part of Galilee. Um, uh, there's the business, what is it? The business district, and then there's the, uh, the housing district, kind of like. And so he's coming over to another area of Galilee. Uh, that's why it seems like, well, what is this saying? They didn't receive him. They didn't give him honor. And now they received him. Listen, there's two different people involved. There's the Jewish Galileans. And then there's the Gentiles. We're going to see he's over here uh, in this area. So when he had came to Galilee, the Galileans received him received is they accepted him they took what he they they, they take uh, to take with the hand they extended the hand they received him 
having seen all the things he did in Jerusalem at the feast, for they also had gone to the feast. Now notice this. There's a couple things you can read into this text. Not, see, there's a bad way to read into a text, and there's a good way. You don't add to it. You don't make something up. But since they were at the feast, it meant they were trying to be pleasing to God because all adult males had to go to three main feasts. So that meant they were trying to find out. They were trying to draw near. And so while they were there, people trying to find out who God is and how to worship him in spirit and truth, there he is turning these tables over. And they seen what he had done. And we see in chapter 2, he did some other things and uh, miracles. And, and we're not told actually what they were, but they seen this going on. And so now they received him. It, it, receive him. They, took, they go, come here. And they take him by the hand. They want to know what's going on because they seen, they discerned clearly, they experienced is what the word seen meant, that, that he did the work that he did uh, in Jerusalem at the feast because they had also went up. So it tells us about their character. They're seeking to be pleasing to God. And then verse 46, so Jesus came again to Cana, place of reeds it's about five miles northwest of nazareth it's a different place of galilee the heathen circuit where he made water wine remember that and there was a certain nobleman whose son was sick at capernaum now listen i'm just telling you my brain works weird i can't ever look at capernaum without saying uh, uh capernaum that's the way i pronounced it when i first got saved capernaum but if you heard the way it was really pronounced, it's not even Capernaum. Uh, I'll listen, you can listen to it later on my phone if you want. It's, it's totally different. I'm like, what? Anyway, Blue Letter Bible has that where you can actually get the pronunciations of them. So we're remembering that he made the water into wine. Uh, his first miracle. What was that at? It was at a wedding, wasn't it? Isn't that amazing? We're being reminded of a wedding because why? You and I are on our way to a wedding supper. You and I right now are the bride being adorned, being washed and cleansed and prepared for that feast. You can't get in unless you're clothed in Christ. And we're reminded of that. And then the very next text, we're going to be reminded of death because that's the only two places there is. That's the only two places. And you have to come to Jesus to get to the wedding you cannot come to jesus in your own programs you can't come going your own way it has to be the way we're seeing these witnesses in this book this spiritual book that has to be read with spiritual eyes when jesus told them to go their way they still every day had a decision of free will to make and they were following him they were going his way. How do you know that? Because you see the afterglow. You see their witness. You see their testimony. You see what they did afterwards. They, the, the, the Samaritan woman leaves her water pot. She doesn't even care about her physical water anymore. And she goes to tell people about someone who told her everything that she ever did. Could it be the Messiah? And since they wanted to know, since they knew where they were at, since they knew they needed a Savior, they came to investigate also. So we're reminded of the water to wine. Again, water is mentioned. Chapter 5, we're going to go to water again. 
Listen, it's really easy, but water is the Holy Spirit. And if you're still drinking from the broken cisterns of this world, wait till we get to chapter 5. Following the broken systems where only one gets chosen. Chapter 5, only one person gets to get in the water and get the healing. But Jesus came and died, the one and only God, so that everybody could get in the water if you'll just lay down your water pot and come to drink from living water and trust the Holy Spirit and go His way, not your way. It's a new soul, a new life, born from above with the Spirit of God. Certain noblemen whose son was sick at Capernaum. He's in Cana of Galilee. He's not down in Capernaum, 20 or 30 miles away. 20 or 30 miles away. And this certain man is, is again, whomsoever. It's a certain one. It's whomsoever. These words are amazing in the Greek. Same word, whomsoever, a certain whomsoever. He was a nobleman, though. He was regal. He was preeminent. He was a king's nobleman or a royal or a minister of the prince. This guy was important. He's a Gentile. Remember? Nicodemus, he was a Jew who was a teacher. He was in charge of people's souls and did not know you had to be born from above and trust in God. He had been led so far away and been taught such a religious system. Then we have a Samaritan woman who's on her sixth relationship who wants to stay away from everybody and isolate something that the world is trying to create on purpose in your psyche now through hypnosis that you'll want to stay away from all the chaos from fear and anxiety. You won't want to go out and be a witness. You'll want to hide in your house. Oh, they're creating it on purpose. Because they know the gospel better than we do. Or the spirit behind it does. So this certain nobleman, very important man, whose son was sick. You know, at the end of the day, when your son's sick, when somebody's sick, all the rest of this stuff falls aside. Doesn't matter whether you're a teacher. Doesn't matter whether you're a sinning Samaritan woman who's living with a guy. Doesn't matter if you have all the money in the world and you're a prince or a nobleman or you're royalty. You got to come and do something. Everybody cries out to God in the final moment. Where do you go? His son is sick. You ever had a sick son? You ever had kids? You ever had a sick son? My son was sick. He got saved about... That's why I, I look at this text and I see that. I'm pleading with Jesus for 24 years for my son's life. He was sick. Oh, he's near death. So is every other person that's born. And you're not going to die till God's finished with you. We're indestructible until God's finished with us. Could be today. So this nobleman, sixth son, means feeble, diseased, or weak. Um, Capernaum, village of comfort. Village of comfort. Oh, forgot. Matthew 4. See, this becomes Jesus' unofficial kind of uh, uh, um, headquarters. Matthew 4, verse 12. Remember after Jesus led up in the wilderness to be tempted by the devil? 
and then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and ministered to him. It says in 4.12, Now when Jesus heard that John had been put in prison, he departed to Galilee. Now this is the, same, this is the exact same testimony of John, but what happened between 12 and 13 in Matthew was that Jesus said, I must need go to Samaria to get to Galilee. See, it's the same text of John chapter 4 where he's baptizing. And, and, and now he heard that John got put into prison. Jesus is still there baptizing. He says, I got to go to Galilee and get out of here. Uh, and he knows what's going to go on. He said, but I must needs go to Samaria. That's in the blank there between verses 12 and 13 of Matthew 4. And leaving Nazareth, he came to dwell in Capernaum. That's how I told you that verse 43 was him being in Nazareth, testifying that a prophet has no honor there. Matthew 4, 13 tells you he first left Nazareth. Then he went down to, uh, he's going to go dwell in Capernaum, which becomes his headquarter, which is by the sea, the region of Zebulun and Naphtali, that it might be fulfilled. Is that Pleroma? I think it's Pleroma, which was spoken by Isaiah the prophet saying the land of Zebulun and the land of Naphtali by the way of the sea beyond the Jordan Galilee of the Gentiles see why I'm telling you there's two different districts this is where the Gentiles are at the people who sat in darkness have seen a great light the light of the world and upon those who sat in the region and shadow of death light has dawned have you received this light From that time, Jesus began to preach and to say, repent, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And so they kind of feel like that was where his headquarters became. He began his ministry from there, and, and he pulled away from Nazareth. And that's where we're at over here in John, now that we come down here to this place. And, and um, I'm just telling you what's there in between the lines in, when you put the Gospels together. So now we're in 447. Nobleman's son is sick. Listen, listen. The nobleman's son is in Capernaum. Where's, where's the nobleman? He's come to find Jesus. He's come down to Cana of Galilee, which is 20 or 30 miles away. When he heard, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God, that Jesus had come out of Judea, that's the region that Samaria is in, must need go to Samaria, into Galilee, he went to him and besought him, implored him, new King James. King James is besought him. Means to request, ask to pray. To come down and heal his son, for he was at the point of death. To come down and heal his son. So he comes there. He, he asks him. He's praying. And, and actually, the word come down means to descend. Who descended from the throne room of heaven and came down to heal every son? He came down. Jesus descended, ascended. We've seen in chapter 3. Uh, when we talked with Nicodemus. So his son, he comes and he's like, everybody comes to Jesus. Everybody's praying. 
at least this nobleman is, it doesn't matter how much money he's got, he can't fix death. He can't fix that his son is dying. We should be concerned about our kids. Listen, we should be concerned about our kids. It's going to be in the text. Now think about this just for a minute because maybe you've prayed for a sick son, a sick loved one, and you think, why would Jesus speak to him this way? Look at the verse. I'm going to read it. Then Jesus said to him, I got you. No, Jesus said, unless you people see signs and wonders, you will by no means believe. Isn't that an interesting way for him to answer? A man that wants his son healed that's dying? But see, he's challenging his faith. He's challenging his faith. He come because he believes that Jesus can heal him. But now he wants to challenge his faith. Are you just looking for signs and wonders? Because signs and wonders don't save. They follow true faith, but they don't save. They do not produce lasting faith. What produces lasting faith? The Word of God. Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the Word of God. But the word hearing in that text of Romans 10, 17 is hearing with the intent to obey. Because anybody can hear unless you have a you know, hearing problem, huh? But are we hearing with the heart to be washed and cleansed? Hearing with the heart, the word of God to be sanctified and cleansed. Sanctify them with your truth. Your word is truth. Why are we listening for the voice of God? Because we don't want to follow other voices and end up in hell. Which voice are you listening to? Listen, he is challenging his faith. He's, he knows that there's those that just want to see signs and wonders. You will see this all the time. People come to, we had, a, we had somebody that said, oh, 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 you, you guys do that on Sunday nights? Oh, I just want to see somebody speak in tongues. Don't you want to see Jesus? Don't you want to come to salvation? Don't you know that your soul is lost? No, I just want to see a circus. I just want to see some, some gifts being enacted. Listen, that's what, that's what our flesh does. That's what our flesh does. In fact, if, if, if somebody else is using a gift and we don't get that gift, we get mad. We get envious and jealous and we don't want to know what our gift is. We just want to be mad at them because they got a gift. How about get up off your duff and use your gift for God? How about find out what your gift is? How about stop pretending and how about quit following programs and religion and come to Jesus? Come and hear the voice of God because they're, they're, we're an apostate religion. Christianity is apostate. We've had no influence on the world stage. It's because we're apostate. We won't even honor Jesus in our own homes. Nothing new. We've seen it happen to the nation of Israel. That's the only reason we are allowed to even come to salvation. We're not even honoring him in our own homes, but we call ourselves saints. We think we're going to heaven and we dishonor God and most of the stuff that we do. I'm serious. I mean, we need to wake up. He says, awake and Christ will give you light. See then that you walk. Oh, there's a walk afterwards. That's how you're living. Circumspectly. What does that mean? As diligently as possible. The same way faith is. 
Seek him as diligently as possible. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. He says, walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise. See, the fool said no to God, but the wise says, now what, God? Where are we going, God? How do I deal with this sin, God? The fool wants to know so they, or excuse me, the, the saint wants to know so they can obey and be transformed. The fool is still saying no. I got the American dream to live. I got some other stuff to do. I already went to the altar once. Don't expect me to keep coming back, God. And yet that's the place where we live as living sacrifices at the altar. All of us have these issues. I'm not pretending to be a saint or any better. I'm talking about what we need to do. This is my gift being used, teaching. We need to wake up. So he challenges him. All you're looking for is signs and wonders, miracles. You just want to see something to stir up the water. That's what we'll get in chapter 5. And listen, his heart comes out. The nobleman says to him, sir. Remember we seen this with the Samaritan woman, didn't we? That's the word kurios. It's, it's, it's an honor. It's respect. It's the word you see with Lord. Every time you see Lord in the New Testament, it's kurios, supreme in authority. Now, he's using it in a respectful way. Why? He didn't say, I'm ordering you. I can get soldiers. I am royal. I am a prince. I have power. I'm a nobleman. You need to listen to me, Jesus. No, he humbles himself and he shows his true heart. So therefore, God helps him because he humbled himself. No matter where we're at, Nicodemus, Samaritan woman, or a nobleman, we have to come to Jesus for life. So he calls him sir, and he says, come down. Isn't that what we want? We want God to come down, and he did. And he became acquainted with our grief, and he died for our sins. He came down off of his throne, and he gave us an example of humility. He said, come down before my child dies. Listen, listen, many of us, know that our children are dying. Oh, oh, just turn on your TV. Oh, no, don't turn on your TV. Throw your TV out the window. Um, but they're talking about the damage that even the lie of this pandemic, uh, COVID, has caused to children. We're talking, I mean, it's worse and worse. It's worse than it's ever been now. Kids were already having a horrible time. You know, the divorce rate is out of control. Kids are being raised by, by babysitters. Kids are being raised by somebody that doesn't know them. Yeah, yeah, we were talking about this before, and we were talking about it earlier. When you see a child and, and they go into, uh, they, they change completely. When they go into an environment where there's a bunch of strangers, well, think about what we're doing. We're forcing them into these areas. We're forcing them for our careers, for our American dream, for all of our physical flesh that we want to chase. We're putting them in areas where they have strangers they don't even know, taking care of them, teaching them God knows only he knows what they're telling them, what they're doing to them. And we call that a system that's still following God. When we're commanded to train them in the way that they're supposed to go. When we're commanded to teach them the word of God. That's the way they're supposed to go. Not the way of the world, not the way of the American dream. He has no honor in the church today. Come down, my child, before my child dies. 
Listen, that's what we were pleading when I was praying for my, I'm praying for my kids now. You ever pray that for your kid that's not living for Jesus? I don't care if they go to church or not. Are they living for Jesus? I didn't pray for my kids to go to church. I pray for my kids to come to know Jesus. Going to church is a religion. Being the church is knowing Jesus. Being the church, the ecclesia, the called out ones that hear his voice and they obey or they're looking to obey, they're following him, they're wanting to go out and find other souls and be a witness to them. That's the church. Praying for somebody to go to church does no good whatsoever for their soul. Unless, of course, they go to a church that's teaching truth. So the heart of the nobleman comes out. It doesn't matter. He doesn't try to order Jesus around. He, doesn't, he wants him to come down. But he doesn't understand fully that Jesus doesn't have to come down. Do you understand that fully? God come to earth and took flesh, and we beheld his glory, the glory of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. Think about that for a minute. It's, it's 114 of John, but he didn't have to. We just looked at the, the hall of faith. He spoke and created the worlds. He could have stayed on his throne. He could have stayed where he was at. He could have spoke salvation. He could have did anything he wanted to do. But you know what he did? He condescended and he died. In the last night of his life, he washed feet. He humbled himself. He didn't come to be served, but to serve and give his life a ransom. Why? To be an example for you and me of how to get out of our sin nature. How evidence looks like of true salvation. He came down to model it and to become acquainted with our grief and to take our punishment so that we could choose freely to worship him in spirit and truth so that we could choose daily to get up in a daily walk and choose to go in the way with him and not go back like a dog to its vomit to all the other ways. He didn't have to come down. His word was enough. He could have commanded it. He could have sent legions of angels. He could have had somebody else do it. But he came down and subject himself into the womb of a woman to go through everything that you and I go through. He was born of a woman. He, he honored and obeyed his father and mother. He was raised up. He waited. He obeyed the law perfectly to show us that if we will choose, the power's there. If we will freely choose to follow, he'll lead us as a perfect shepherd, as a perfect savior of the world. Everybody has to come here. Everybody has to make this decision. It's not a one-time prayer. It's a lifetime choice. And if you're not careful, you'll be led away by some deceiving spirit, by the spirit of Antichrist. The Bible testifies that, that people are going to follow signs and wonders. That the devil, that's all he's waiting to do is signs and wonders. What is it? 2 Thessalonians 2. Seven. For the mystery of lawlessness, that's disobeying God. Lawlessness, that's no law, is already at work. Only he who now restrains will do so until he is taken out of the way. And that's the Holy Spirit in us that's being a witness of what righteousness looks like. And then the lawless one will be revealed, 
whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming. That's the second coming. The coming of the lawless one is according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders. See, that's why you don't want to be looking for signs and wonders because that's what the devil wants to lead you away into, signs and wonders. We're looking for the word of God. And with all signs and lying wonders and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, that's the word for death, because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. And for this reason, God will send them strong delusion that they should believe the lie that they all may be condemned who did not believe the truth but had pleasure in righteousness. Or excuse me, in unrighteousness. Pleasure in unrighteousness. Be away from me. I never knew you. Why are people sitting around and arguing that there's more than two genders? Because they hate God. Because they're in strong delusion. Because they're believing the lie and signs and wonders. Because they're trying to preach uh, uh, the Antichrist to you. Oh, somebody's going to save you from it. See, it's a double, it's a double-edged sword. At the same time they're preaching that, they're trying to raise up a Savior to save you from those lies because you know it's not true, and they're both liars. Even the Savior, because the Savior's already come. The Word of God is already here. We don't need somebody to save us. We're already saved if we believe in Jesus. So the next ruler that's raised up in this fourth kingdom will be the Antichrist. He's not the Savior. He's instead of Christ. That's what anti means. Instead of Christ. That's why you don't want to follow what you see. You want to follow who you know. My sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. Do you know the Lord of glory? Have you come to know that he's the savior of the world? Are you in these 66 books by 40 authors? Are you spending time in the Word, Prayer, and Fellowship? Are you asking Him and asking Him and asking Him daily? Listen, this is serious. Paul said, work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Where is the fear and trembling in the church today? Where is the people working out their salvation? It's such a cultural thing. Oh, we got a church. We got a Bible study. We do do this and that. And our church does this. And we got a soup kitchen. I don't see any type of fear and trembling worried about the souls of mankind. I see a bunch of programs and a bunch of people playing church. It's become a system. It's not a relationship. I'm sorry, I digress. The nobleman is worried about somebody dying. Listen, I believe somebody that has faith in Jesus is worrying about people around them dying and going to hell. I believe it's the first sign of faith that you're concerned about souls and you stop being concerned about yourself. Not haphazardly. I'm talking about you stop worrying about everything about self and begin to worry about seeking first the kingdom of God and His righteousness and then all these other things shall be added unto you. Verse 50, now we're going to see something about Jesus and the nobleman's going to grow in his faith. And that's what happens when you're in the Word. That's what's happened when you're reasoning with God. That's what's happening when you're diligent with seeking God. You grow in your faith. 
Jesus said to him, go your way, your son lives. So the man believed, pistio. He entrusted his spiritual well-being into Christ. He made a covenant with him. He trusted what he said, the word that Jesus spoke to him and went his way. Notice that. He didn't trust in signs and wonders. He trusted the word. Do you trust the word of God? Do you believe the word of God? Faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Listen, that's how we obtain a good testimony. We believe when the world is saying that's nonsense. We believe when the world is saying that's not what Christians do. Well, when did you become the expert on what Christians do? How come the only time the world talks about Christianity is when they're pointing at the wrong of the church? How come they don't see that we're the most giving of of any institution that there is? How come they don't say that uh, when we're out there helping with, with, with natural catastrophes and stuff? How come they don't say, let's get some nightly news going on. Look at all these churches down here for the hurricane. While everybody else is up in their townhouses drinking and sipping on wine, all these churches sent volunteers down to clean up all these. Nobody else is doing it. You don't see the Muslims down there. You don't see Buddha down there. You don't see any of these atheists down there. The only people you see being benevolent and kind and following and living it out is the church. But the only time they want to talk about it is when you fall from grace. There's a pastor, he fell from grace. Why didn't you talk about what he was doing last week? Let's balance it out. Listen, Jesus is not worried about your sin. He died for sin. It's been paid for. You know, I know he rose from the grave. That's the evidence. That right there is the martyr radio. That's what testifies to me that Jesus is Lord. He got up. And you'll get up tomorrow and go out and tell somebody and be a witness if you truly come to Christ and you've died to self. They went their way, but their way changed. Watch what happens. His way changes. He's not in a hurry anymore. He's not pleading. He's not begging. He's like, oh my goodness, my son is dying. Would you just come with me? Quit talking about signs and wonders and just come down. But look at the rest. Look at the peace that comes into his life. You can see it if you look right there in the white spaces. When he heard the word of God, the man believed. He believed what? He believed the word. Why? Because God sent the word to heal the land to save people from their condemnation, to bring life. Fifty-one. And as he was now going, now, why does it say now going? It's different now. Now he's going differently. See, words are important. The Holy Spirit doesn't play. He puts words in here on purpose. Before he was like anxious. Before he was like, I got to get get Jesus to come down there. But now he just believed the word that was spoken. Can you believe the word that was spoken? This is the God who spoke the worlds into place. We just read it. Now, as he was going down, his servants met him and told him, saying, your son lives. What? Now, think about this for a minute. Your son's sick. You done ran all the way to, you done ran all the way to Cana to find Jesus because you believed that he could heal him because somebody told you about some miracles that he'd done. You've heard a testimony. You're like, okay, I got to get to Jesus. I'm going to see if he can heal my son. And then he says, go your way, your son lives. He's not even going with you. We see him speaking stuff into existence. He's the only one that can do that unless you want to speak some chaos and lies into existence. You can create some of those. Um, Now the guy's not in a hurry. See the rest? 
He believes the word. It's in the evidence that he believes the word. He's no longer anxious for food for his house. He's no longer anxious for the life of his son. He knows his son is okay. He knows he's going to live because he believed the word. Listen, how do you know that? How do you know that? Watch. 20 or 30 miles away. His servants met him. This guy's got some servants, right? Remember, he's regal. He's royal. He's got a lot of stuff. Then he inquired, verse 52, he asked questions of them, the hour when he got better. What hour was it? I bet it was the seventh hour. Why? Because that's the number of completion. Remember, six is us in our relationship, our marriage. We were in our sixth relationship, number of man. And then seven is the number of completion. It's when you meet God. And it's the seventh hour. Watch. I'm sorry, I got ahead of myself, didn't I? I didn't even read it. And they said to him, yesterday at the seventh hour, the heat, the fire left him. Listen, the fever left him. Where's that at? Let me, let me find this. Uh, inflamed, feverish heat left. Now, I'm not saying he was saved from hell's fire, but he's on his way. See, he still has to believe. This, this, watch what goes on. It's at the seventh hour. The seven is the number of completion. Uh, seven is uh, uh, the number of God. Seven, six, 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 the number of man. Seven, seven, seven is the number of God. See, the number of completion, wholeness, fullness. Eight is the number of new beginnings. That's what happens after we meet God. You got new beginnings. It was the eighth day, or excuse me, eight people that, that entered the ark. God saved and started over with eight, a number of new beginnings. I better quit that or we'll get into that and, and I, my brain won't stop it. The seventh hour, the heat left him, 53. So the father knew Gnosko. He learned by experience, by, by, by obeying, that it was at the same hour in which Jesus said to him, your son lives. And he himself believed and his whole household. Now listen, it's the same hour that Jesus spoke. His word is, the power, is powerful. It's what washes and cleanses. And he believed it. But why is it yesterday? Remember, he spoke yesterday. You get 20 or 30 miles. The next day he meets his servants on the way. This shows you that he wasn't in a hurry. He could have rushed back and got to his son before the seventh hour the next day. One o'clock the next day potentially sixth hour was the samaritan woman in her sixth relationship and if she doesn't drink living water she's going to be 666 so notice what happens his life changed right he slowed down believed the word now in his way as he's going down as he's descending as he's lowering himself He's going a little slower. He's going a little bit different. He's asking his servants question. And what happened? He became a witness. How do I know? He believed and then his whole household gets saved. Households don't get saved just because one person believes. Everybody has to believe personally. So he had to become a witness. His life had to change. You can read it right there in the white pages or white lines in between. The only way the whole household is going to believe is somebody becomes a witness. He came looking for Jesus because somebody was a witness. He thought in his faith that the only way 
that Jesus was going to be able to heal him is if Jesus came down and Jesus spoke, so he learned something new. His faith grew. God doesn't have to come down. God can speak. God wants to come down. God wants to have a love relationship with you. God is knocking at the door. He says, behold, I stand at the door and knock. And if anybody hears the rap of my knuckle, is that what he said? No, he says, if anybody hears my voice, my word, I will come in and dine with him and he with me. That's how we have fellowship with God. He's knocking with his word. And when you answer the door, it's hearing his word with an intent to obey. And when you hear with an intent to obey, we sup together on spiritual living bread, which is for your soul. Because man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceeds from the mouth of God. And when he believed, his faith grew. He became a witness. He went his way differently. And he became a witness and testified that God spoke and the son was alive and got better at the same hour. And I was 30 miles away. And then his whole household believed because of what he said, because of his witness. And then we're told this was, again, the second sign, the second miracle Jesus did when he came out of Judea, he came from Samaria into Galilee. Just a second of the eight that he's going to do in this book. I believe there's eight of them, new beginning. This is the second one. The first one we're reminded in the same text, these are bookmarks, 46, he made water to wine, that's the new covenant. And then you're delivered from death, you have life. The second sign you have life. Are you walking out this life? Are you going your way? Or are you still living in death the old way? First sign is life, new covenant, water to wine. And then there's evidence in the second sign that you're walking out life. You're worried about somebody dying. People around us are dying. I talked to a gentleman yesterday, been married 56 years, and his wife just died. Hasn't been two weeks yet. I was brokenhearted with him, and when we prayed, he was crying. Are you concerned about people dying, not knowing Jesus? What about your children? Look at this. This man became concerned about his whole household. Here he's a royal. He's, he's a prince. He's, he's ruling. He's got all the resources there is, but now he's more worried about them knowing Jesus. See, we want to give our kids everything in the American dream, and we want to give them what we didn't have, but we're, are we concerned about them getting Jesus? And listen, that, that's caught. It's not taught. A lot of it's caught. How are you living? What's your actions? Are you being a witness what are you allowing in your houses? Because the enemy's trying to destroy whole households. He's trying to destroy marriage. We see that in Genesis 3 where he attacks the very first marriage. The first institution that God ever created was marriage because it's the last one too. Us to Christ, the marriage supper of the Lamb. How has it changed your way? How has it changed you meeting Jesus?
Father, thank you for your word. We pray that our faith would grow, that we know that without faith it's impossible to please you, but because we first must believe that you are the Savior of the world, that you are, and that you um, reward those who diligently seek you. Lord, we know that signs and wonders follow, that reward follows, that blessing follows a life of faith. But Lord, we are so upside down that we want the rewards first. We want to see the signs and wonders first. And that just produces a shallow, weak, fake faith. We have so many false conversions in the church, Lord, in our world. And we ask that it would be real, that we would be your sheep that are looking to hear your voice by faith. And you would know us. And we would follow you. Signs of life would be our following your way, even though we can choose to go our own way. Save us, Lord, lest we perish. Help us to trust in you with all of our hearts and lean not on our own understanding. In all of our ways, acknowledge you and you make our paths, our way straight. Straight to you, straight to the throne room. We give you praise and glory in Jesus' name. Amen. The Lord bless you. And that concludes today's message on Who Am I? with Pastor Greg Tyra of Harvest Chapel in Williamsport, Indiana. If you're in the area, we would love to have you as our guest. Harvest Chapel is located at 418 Old State Road 28, Williamsport, Indiana 47993. We meet for worship on Sundays at 10 a.m. Our prayer meetings meet Wednesdays at 6.30 p.m. Our Bible study meets on Friday at 7 p.m. Today's and previous messages are available on CD. If you would like a copy, please call 765-404-7203. We look forward to seeing you again next time on Who Am I? Whom shall I fear? Whom shall